Have you ever settled for less? You know, you, you had something in mind and it just didn't happen that way. Michelle and I decided probably four years ago to sell the house we were living in, our dream home on the lake. We raised our kids there and they were gone. It's time to downsize and get out of debt. And so I remodeled the house and and, and began looking for another house. Actually, I looked for property because we were going to build and we wanted to stay in Hardin Valley. And they really, 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 really value that property in Hardin Valley. It's got to be oil under it, maybe gold or something. So couldn't find property and started looking for a house. Wanted to build a house. And so it, really at the end of a two-year look, Buddy Mondagan, who's green, who's a realtor here in good friend, we went and looked at one, and we bought it, but we settled. You know what I'm saying? It had some of the stuff we wanted, but not everything. It had a barn, which is where I spend all my time. Come on, guys. It's not the couch. It's the barn, and, and it had a pool, so it had some of the stuff, but we settled. It was built in 1960, so I've spent the last two years updating and upgrading. Why? Because I, I settled. Have you ever settled for less Less of what you hope for, maybe less of what you imagine. See, it is all too commonplace today that we settle. We settle for less from our leaders. We settle for less than what our expectations were. We settle for a little less hope, a little less joy, and a little less purpose than we thought when we were younger. Why is it? When did we as people make a collective decision that good enough was just going to be good enough? I like to blame it all on the snake in the garden, the fall of mankind in, in Genesis chapter 3. But if we could be just raw and real this weekend, we've all settled. It's not just the first page of human history, but we've all settled for less. In this last month, we've been really diving in to the, to the thought of transformation, we have looked and looked and looked at how the world presses us into its mold. That's what the Apostle Paul said in Romans 12. But this weekend, we're not only going to show that the, wor- the mold that the world produces, but really in the name of Jesus, we're going to break the mold that the world wants to force us into. So as I begin to pray, let me ask you a question. Is there any area in your life in 2022 that you are settling for less? Father God, we come to you now. Lord, you know that we are in this culture. We're in this wicked world, and the press is all around us. We see it sometimes, and we miss it. But God, we we need a significant revelation and impartation. We need an invasion of heaven into every aspect of our lives, our families, our ministry, this church, our heart, our thinking. God, we need we need to open eyes to see the power and potential and to see what the lives that we could live if we would just join you in this process of being transformed. So God, would you expose us? Father, I'm just interceding with all that I know how. As Moses prayed for the Israelites in the wilderness, I pray, God, because there's some folks in the wilderness, I pray for revelation that, God, we would not settle for anything less than your best. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said...
Welcome, Promisers, all of our campuses online, those that are listening later, we love you. You make our worship more meaningful by being with us, and we believe, even though we're in the midst of Omicron, even though the world is sort of going to hell in a handbasket, we believe that God has a word for you today. Good. And the more the world begins to scream, the more the crazy the world gets, the more difficult it is to discern the voice of God. But I'm telling you, God's got a word for you today. So here's my question. And that is this, will you surrender to the work of the Spirit in you and be transformed into what God wants to transform you into? That's going to be the question. And we can't just answer it one, it's really a daily decision. Now, if you're in the Bible reading plan with us or you're in the Scriptures, you've ever read the Scriptures, one of the things that always hops out, every time I read through it, I'm just brought back to this stark realization of how many people missed it. Are you with me? Jesus is in the room and the Pharisees miss it. People miss God. They miss the kingdom. They miss the Savior. And because they missed God, they missed God's best and they had to settle for less. After 40 years in ministry, can I tell you the thousands upon thousands of people that God has given me the privilege to lead that have settled for second best? They've settled in their marriage, they've settled in ministry, they've settled in business, they've settled in health, they just settled for less of what the Bible says that we can have. And there are so many reasons that people miss it. I believe one of the greatest reasons is the lies or the lie that we believe. Because people don't believe that God is going to transform them. I don't understand why. That you're the only one God lied about. But, but you look around and say, I believe the word, Pastor, and I believe that transformation is for everybody but me. If you're here last week, Pastor Jack preached an incredible message. Out of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 24, faithful is he who called you. If you're born again, you were called. Faithful is he that calls you, he will also bring it to pass. Philippians 1, 6, he that began to work in you will perfect in the day of Christ Jesus. And so I don't know about you, but I don't want for me or as your pastor, I don't want for you that when you finish this race and you stand before Jesus, you see sadness in his eyes because you settled for less than his best for you. And isn't that where most believers are going to end up? Just, just settling for less for, for a multitude of reasons. In Romans 12, 2, which is one of our theme verses for this year, Romans 12, 2, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Every now and then, I'll do a little Greek work, and I'll, di- and I'll diagram a sentence. Now, I didn't learn that in, in, in school when I was in high school, and I should have learned it. I learned it in seminary, how to diagram a Greek, a, a Greek sentence, because then you begin to see even more nuances. And what I saw was when, when it says, and do not be conformed, which is a verb, that verb is in the passive voice, which means you do not do the action, the action is done to you. The, 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 you're, the, you're the direct object, you're who they're talking about, but the, uh, but the action is not done by you, it's done to you. We've talked all month that do not be conformed, do not surrender to the press of the world. See, it, it, it's, that's, that's what the word is, it's a press. Today it's an injection mold, but do not be conformed. And it, it is a passive process. You don't have to do anything. 
You, the, you're just going to, if you don't do anything, you're just going to, you're just going to be pressed. So the world's pressing, and Satan's hand never leaves the lever. The pressure never releases. Are you with me? It just keeps moving. So do not be conformed is passive, but be transformed is also passive, which means conformed, the devil does the work, transformed, God does the work. See, the world presses us into a mold while God's process transforms us into his image. So God does the action or the devil does the action? It's the, let me give you the bottom line. Are you ready for it? Say, I'm ready. Who do you trust? Do you trust God or do you trust this world? Do you trust the world or do you trust the word? If you're a Christ follower, hallelujah, the greatest miracle of all, you've been born again. Now you have the open eyes to see to make a choice. If you're not yet born again, you don't even have the eyes to see the press that the world puts you in. And let me tell you, I trust God's process because me and God got some history. We got some history. I've seen his work in me. I know where I was, I know where I am, and I know where I'm going. Are you with me? I've seen it in you. I've seen it in our campuses. Come on, Bristol. As we expand, I've seen God save people, God heal people, God deliver people. I've seen marriages restored. Man, I've seen his hand, and my history with God fuels my faith for transformation. Come on, the more that you're in it, the more you want it. It's like deciding you're going to lose weight. And so for a week, you don't eat, and nobody notices. So what do you do? You don't lose any weight. Nobody notices. You quit. You go back to the Dairy Queen. You get another blizzard. That's what you do. But if you work long enough that people say, hey, man, you're looking good. You lost some weight. Man, you're looking good. Then you begin to, you begin to gain, and then you begin to keep going. Does that make sense? And so as you when, you, when you enter in with God in this process of transformation of your life and you begin to see it, it makes you want more. The biblical definition of, of transformation or metamorpho in the Greek, part of that definition is to be changed for the better. Because God is going to change me for the better, I don't have to settle for less. I don't have to settle for less. I'm not going to settle for less. I have an extreme expectation of transformation, not just to me, but of you. Your transformation gets me out of bed in the morning. Your transformation wakes me up in the middle of the night because I want you to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. I want you to hear, enter into the joy of your master. I want you to enter in, look at your rewards. I want you to enter into heaven and be blessed beyond all blessings because you surrendered. See, our part in this process is surrender to the process. Listen, come on, think with me. How crazy is it that we fight God in this process of transformation? And we've all done it. It's a caterpillar saying, I'm not getting in that cocoon. Who knows what's going to happen in there? Yeah, you're going to become a butterfly. You're going to soar in the heavens, and your view's going to be incredible. We've all been there. Matter of fact, let's be honest. Some of you are there right now. God wants you to surrender an area, and you're fighting. You're dug in like a tick on a hound dog. Man, you're not going to release. You're just hanging in there. You're fighting God. Maybe, maybe you're here, and you don't quite know how you feel about church or faith or God. But before this message is over, you're going to see God's design and desire for you, and we're going to give you an opportunity to be transformed at all of our campuses. But here's a hard truth that we have to see and seize or we'll never be transformed. There is a war in you between the flesh and the spirit. 
When you're born, you have an old heart and a sinful nature. You don't have to teach your kids to be bad. That's standard equipment. It's like seat belts in a car. You don't have to ask for seat belts. They come with it. You know, I teach your kids how to lie. They lie. I love when a parent says, my kid doesn't lie. I said, you are dumb as a rock. <laughs> you know, my kid doesn't steal. Well, put him in Walmart and stick him by the chocolate aisle for just a second and watch his head come back pure black with chocolate all over it. See, we, 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 it's, just, it's just standard. Paul, writing to the church in Rome, in, in the book of Romans, in Romans chapter 7, it's all about the fight. Paul said, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I do. There's a battle within me between the flesh and the spirit. Just a battle. And so while we, while we are battling with the spirit for surrender, we're also battling hell and the press. Are you with me? So do you believe God has the high ground? Do you believe the devil has the low ground? And if you're fighting, it means you're in the middle. And if you've ever seen a good old country and western shoot-em-up movie, that means you're in the crossfire. And there's no more worse place to be than a crossfire. That's why next weekend, we're going to start a spiritual warfare series called The Deadly Doors to Your Home and Your Heart That You Open That Hinder Transformation. It's really going to be a smooth transition. So... Last fall, a remake of a 1960s television show came back, Let's Make a Deal. And I remember it as a kid, people dressed up, they got on the show, they had to, you know, then they, they, they could win prizes, it was Monty Hall. And, and at the end of the game, some of the contestants that won prizes had an opportunity to give their prize back and choose what was behind door number one, door number two, or door number three. And sometimes you'd give away your, you know, uh, something for a new car. Other times you'd give away something good for a bowl of beans, and, and you really lost on that one. But if you're a Christ follower, you've already been given the greatest prize in human history. You have received salvation, adoption, and forgiveness because of what Jesus said. You can walk in the fullness of freedom, and you can access God's full glory because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. Moses is on the mountain with God, and he catches a brief glimpse of God's glory, comes off the mountain, his face shone like the sun. But after a while, what happened? The glory on his face faded, and he put a veil on. See, our glory doesn't fade anymore. 2 Corinthians, which is another one of our, another one of our passages for this, this year, 2 Corinthians 3 18, but we all with unveiled face quit hiding from God. He already knows. Quit acting like we're spiritual or something. Just get raw and real. We with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror. We're looking in the mirror at the glory of the Lord. And as we're looking at the glory of the Lord, we're being transformed into that same image. The image that we see in the mirror, the glory of the Lord, just from the Lord, the Spirit. Now, here's the, here's the deal. We, we don't just get more. We're, we're not like Moses that can catch a glimpse. We can experience God's full glory. Transformation in our lives from glory to glory in our marriage, in our families, with our kids, in our ministries. We can see revival in Knoxville. We can see revival in Tennessee. We can see the power of God sweep and change our nation Man, we can see God move and save. We can see God rock the house. 
We don't have to hide and hope that God might pass by. We don't have to hide and hope and wonder if we will surrender to the hands of God. We will be transformed. And not just once, we will keep being transformed more and more into his glory. But you've got to put all your faith and trust in his hands that hold you. Because the hands that hold you mold you. We don't want to put our hands in the world. What has the world ever done for you? It takes, and God gives. I love that in this, in this whole process of transformation, in Romans 12:1, as Paul is setting up this, this process, he said, therefore, I urge you, brethren, because of the mercies of God, because God is so good to you. Now, remember, we said transformation is passive, right? That God does it. Here's your part. Or if you're, if you're ready, say, I'm ready. I'm ready. To present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. That means every day. Now, by the way, if you're here for Heart for the Harvest, we had offering buckets that look like this. They just weren't this big. It means every day you just get in the offering bucket and you give yourself to God. God, I surrender to your hands today. I'm not going to be pressed by this world. I don't care what the world thinks about me. I care what you think. I surrender to you. A living sacrifice. See, a sacrifice in the Old Testament, you bring an animal, that animal would be killed. You don't get it back. Are you with me? You, they would sacrifice and it would be gone. But we are a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. That means that we have the option to get back off the altar and climb back under the press of the world. You'd say, Pastor, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Why would we do that? Because we want the prizes of the press. We look at the world and it looks so good, it's so dazzling, it's so shiny. Come on, there's a reason, rednecks, every bass boat's got glitter on it. Are you with me? We just want the, nothing wrong with a bass boat, but, unless you don't take me. And so, but we look, see, we, we, we want to be accepted by the world and we want to appear that we're accepting. We want to be loved and we want to appear that we are loving. We want to, we want to look like we fit in. And we want to be accepted. And so what some of us have done, come on, let's be raw and real, is we've looked in the mirror and we've said, you know, transformation is for everybody but me. I tried it. It doesn't work. So I'm just going to climb back under the press because this is not working. See, transformation is a process in which God does the action. Now, a living sacrifice is your part of the action. In Isaiah 40, 31, those that wait upon the Lord to renew their strength, they shall mount the wings of eagles. And what we say is, that's passive, I don't do anything. No, that waiting is active. And so that spiritual service of worship, that giving yourself a living sacrifice, that's active, not passive. It's joining in God's process. It's saying, you know what, I surrender to you. I surrender to your process. I surrender to everything that you want from me. I will not settle for less. I offer myself up to you, God, so here I am. I'm in the offering bucket. Take me. 
And in that offering bucket, there's some things, some activities that you do to join God in his transformative process, like having a personal growth plan. If you don't have one, get one. You say, I tried it, didn't work, try it again. If you go to a restaurant and have a bad meal, do you quit eating? No, you try another one. Page 147 of the book, if you don't have them, they're in the foyer at every campus. Page 147 of this book, there's a personal growth plan. Fill it in. Just put it in. It's a tool to help you walk through the doors God designed for you to access him so that he could transform you. Get in the Bible reading plan with us. It's in the back of the book. It's right there. Just get in the Bible reading plan. You say, I tried that. I failed. Try it again. Saturate yourself in the scripture. It says the renewing of your mind in Romans 12. How do we renew our mind? We renew our mind in the word of God. We read the word. It's a mirror. So I'm reading my Bible and God is pointing out things. He's showing me things. And I'm saying, okay, that's got to be changed, Lord. I, I lied, God. That's, my thought life is not pure. God speaks to us in that and God shows us where we need to be transformed. Are you with me? Then we allow the spirit. Pick a word for the year. Our church word is transformation. My personal word is God awed. I'm going to wake up every day awed at the presence of God. So a word is just a focus for you this year of what you're going to do to grow and be transformed. But another step is, is if you've not been in next steps, jump on that next weekend. Another part of the process is get involved with groups. There is no shortcut, by the way, to transformation. You don't nuke transformation. You don't microwave transformation. You crockpot transformation. Are you with me? Man, you walk into someone's house, a roast has been cooking or a pot of pinto beans. The whole house smells good. Somebody's cooking something in the microwave. I hear it. Beep, it's done. There's no smell. Are y'all with me? You know that, and if you want your life to be a fragrant aroma, you allow God to crockpot you. So you need to be in a group. Jesus, before he started his ministry, got a group. If Jesus needed a group, you think you might need one? Get a group. Every week, this weekend at all of our campuses, there'll be people in the foyer at near the information tables go saying, I need to help find a group. If you've not been to a freedom group, jump in that one first because it is absolutely the best. Just jump in there. Just go say, hey, I'm ready. I'm ready. Pastor said, find a group. Help me find one. Come on, if you're listening, say, I am. If you're a promiser and you are not in a group, you do not graduate from group life. I don't graduate from group life. Jesus' group is with him all the way to the cross, the empty tomb, and they all laid their lives down for Jesus and his kingdom. Every one of them, except John who died on, the, on a prison island called Patmos. If you're not in a group, well, I'm not sure I need one, then you should be leading one. Are you with me? Then you see you need to lead one. Jump in there. We got, we got hundreds of new families. We're going to baptize probably 20 people across Faith Promise this weekend. We got tons of people being saved. They're being transformed. They need a place. And you just step up. Don't settle for less. There are people here that need a group. Maybe you need to be the one to lead one. Go out, check them, and say, hey, I'd like to talk about leading a group. Don't settle. Don't settle. And listen, be here every weekend. Every, when, I was, when, when I first got saved, you went to church three times a week, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. Are you with me? That's what you did. Now we come every other, every third, every fourth weekend, whether we need it or not. Be here every weekend. If Junior's sick, you don't all have to stay at home. 
Draw straws, short one stays, the rest come to church. Are you with me? Matter of fact, if you don't want to be in church every weekend, I've got some serious concerns about your salvation. Man, I never wanted to go to church. When I was saved, I couldn't wait to get in the house of God every weekend. I can remember working a shutdown when I was still at construction and go covered in grease because I was a millwright and stand right outside the doors of the church because my boots were too muddy to walk in the carpet just to hear the worship in the Word of God. Come on, man. We ought to want to be in the house of God. We ought to want to be in here bringing people. Man, during COVID, the worst thing to happen with COVID was they closed the churches. There are some states the church stayed closed for a year. I have friends that had to fight their governors so the churches could reopen. Shows where our country is that we keep abortion clinics open, but we close churches. That's all you need to know about where we are. I don't care if you're a Democrat or Republican, that's where we are. Liquor stores were open, sales rose 63% while the churches were closed. Abortion skyrocketed, suicide skyrocketed, depression skyrocketed, all these bad things skyrocketed. Why? Because the people of God were not meeting. There's power when the people of God meet. You got to be in the house. Because the press never stops. Let me give you one more truth. I've said it once, but I'm going to give you biblical. I'm going to back it up with the word. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. Just get raw and real with God. You want to be transformed, quit, quit acting like you're something you're not. For the word of God, this thing's why I want you to be, have a Bible reading plan. Is act is living and it's active. It's sharper than two-edged sword. It pierces as far as the division of your soul and spirit. Amongst your joints and marrow, it's able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of your heart, and there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of whom we have to do. God knows anyway. Are you with me? Did you just come to him and say, God, I pastor's been beating me to death about a about Bible reading plan and I'm not doing it? Make me want to. Make me want to. Lord, he's you know, talked that I'm supposed to tithe. I know your Bible teaches it, and I don't want to. Make me want to. Just be honest with God. Are you with me? Just be honest with God. Why hide? That's what Adam and Eve did. Didn't work out well for them. Just get naked. Just get laid bare. We, uh, we all with unveiled face. See, Jesus saw the Mount of Transfiguration. What was in him came out. His pre-incarnate glory, it came out. And the more you're transformed, what is in you, which is the Holy Spirit, comes out. The glory of the Lord that's in you comes out. Your body's a temple of the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you the most shocking thing about the Bible is not that God wants to transform you. That's not what's shocking. The most shocking thing about this Bible is God knows you. He sees you. He knows every evil thought, every evil action, every question, every doubt, every adultery, every fornication, every evil thing you've ever done, and he loves you any stinking way. That's the greatest thing about this Bible. What a mighty God we serve. So don't settle for less. God didn't. He gave his son, his one and only son, as a sacrifice, who gave up his throne, who gave up his kingdom. Why to come and minister to us? So why wouldn't you surrender to the hands that are scarred for you and receive that scandalous love? Father God, Lord, this is so your heart for us. And Lord, there are battles that are raging by the thousands right now. The flesh is lying to people. The enemy's lying. 
But God, you and you alone, you and you alone are able. So Father, I pray for clarity. I pray for elevated expectations. I pray that people can't wait to wake up in the morning and open the scriptures. I pray, God, that we will surrender and that we will be so transformed by your power, by your glory, that we really will be transformed into the image of Jesus. I pray, Father, for miracles and signs and wonders. I pray, God, for those that are lost to be saved, those that are saved to be fired up. I pray for revival. I pray, God, you'd elevate our faith and our belief in what you are more than capable of doing. So, God, we're elevating. We're going to live with expectation. We're going to live in transformation. God, and we're going to live believing and walking in it, knowing, God, that you are able to do exceedingly abundantly above anything we could ask or think or imagine because of the power of God that's working in us. God, release your spirits, our prayer, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, come on, all God's people said. Look what God's done. What an incredible message today. You know, transformation is made available to each of us through the life, sacrifice, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Many listening today have already made the greatest decision of life to embrace Jesus as their Savior and Lord. And as Pastor said, you've already been given the greatest prize in the history of humanity. You've received forgiveness of sins and a relationship with God. One of the early followers of Jesus Christ, the Apostle Paul, said this in, in uh, Romans chapter 6, verse 23. He says, but the gracious gift of God is eternal life in Jesus our Lord. But what about you who maybe haven't embraced Jesus yet? For whatever reason, maybe you've just been too busy or you've just been putting it off, I'll do that later or whatever. What does the Bible say about you? Well, in that same verse, the first part of it, it says, Paul says, for the wages of sin is death. Say that word with me, death. Now this death he's talking about is a spiritual separation from God now and for all eternity. But here's the good news. You don't have to live in that spiritual separation. Today, you can make the decision to embrace Jesus as your Savior and as your Lord and be restored to a relationship with God. It's the greatest decision of life. It really is. Listen, in the days of the early church, there was this man who was a jailer. It was his occupation. And one day he realized he was a sinner and he needed a Savior. And he asked these words in Acts chapter. He said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And he said, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be what? Saved. That means your sins are forgiven restored relationship with God. You see, to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ means to embrace him with your whole life, to surrender your life to him, to ask him to take control of your life. So if you're ready to step into a relationship with God, and embrace him as your Savior and as your Lord, we're going to ask you to pray a prayer with us. And we never pray alone at Faith Promise. We always pray together because we believe in you. And so I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and pray this prayer from your heart to God. Just repeat after me. God, thank you for loving me. Please forgive me. Transform my old life. I want a new life. Transform my old heart. I want a new heart. Thank you for the gift of Jesus. I will love and follow you no matter what.